It is awkward. <laughs> Welcome to our family room in Castle Rock, Colorado. I will miss being with you all this year, it's, um, but it's wonderful that we can join each other in this way. My name is Nancy Challey. My husband is Tim Challey, and he's a pastor, and he's also the director now of an IFCA church planning mission um, called, this is a mouthful, Rockies Southwest Bible Church Extension. And we have been involved with the IFCA conventions for, for many, many years. Um, first with the uh, youth, um, we would take youth there for about 15 years, then actually served on the youth uh, national committee there for a number of years. Um, so we're familiar with that. In the last years, of course, we've graduated to adult convention. And I just want to thank my husband for helping me with this, with the slides. Um, otherwise you wouldn't have slides. So I think you'll enjoy some of the pictures and some of the slides that he has um, put to this program. So I'd just like to open up um, with a word of prayer. Father, I do thank you for this um, time that I can come and just share from my heart, my testimony and um, the life that you have set before us, Lord, in this ministry and in, in your work, in your service. Pray that um, as we dearly will miss all of the friendships that we enjoy at the IFCA convention this year, that you would bring us back next year, that we can continue in sharing and having that fellowship that we so need as pastors' wives and missionaries' wives and just lay people in ministry. We thank you for this time that I can share in your name. Amen. <clears throat> so if your husband has been called to ministry which is kind of the title of my um, talk, you, so you too. It's not, here I am, Lord, send my husband, I'll just stay here in the background. No, he's called you as a team into the service of our Lord. What that marriage looks like is different in, in all ministries and in different ways, but in the same way, it should glorify our Lord and honor him. We all have different gifts, um, and we are to use these in the, in the ministry, no matter if we're married, if we're single, or um, if we're a pastor's or missionary's wife. As I share with you, I know these principles are for all women, but I'd like to direct some of my thoughts to um, pastor's wives and uh, missionary wives, because at the IFCA convention, that's mainly what I'd be speaking to, um, and many are actively, obviously, serving the Lord alongside your husband's. What I'll be sharing today is not new, I'm sure. You've, you've been in the battles, you've been in the struggles, but um, I pray that I can be an encouragement to you um, as you serve. So looking back at our wedding day, you stood on the altar, probably as afraid as I am right now, and you said, I do, not knowing what was gonna happen, but you said, I do, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do us part. We had no idea where the road of life was taking you, us. Some of you ladies might've known that you would be in ministry, that you um, were headed to ministry right after you were married. Some of you didn't know that your husbands would be called to ministry. Um, and some of you might not even have been Christians at that point. But somewhere along the line, God called you and God called your husband and God called you. As inadequate and ill-equipped that we might feel, or humbled that you may feel in your role as a pastor and missionary wife, you have become one in missionary, in ministry, 
and in service. My path is probably quite different than most of you, as I have only been an or my husband has been a, been an ordained minister for only the past seven years, and I've only been a missionary for eight months. And I had our, we had our first missionary conference, which was such a blessing in um, March, early March, and um, then COVID hit, and so I haven't felt too much as like a missionary at this point. And but he's been working. Um, Continue, my husband's are working continually for the mission at this point, but we're so glad that now things are opening up, we can visit our churches and such. We have been, but we have been active and committed to ministry all, ministry all of our lives. I came to know the Lord when I was a senior in high school and I had come out of Catholicism. I um, met Tim, my husband, when we were at junior college and he helped me understand my new faith and God's word. We were married a year later, both 19, 45 years ago. So as a young couple, we became involved in our church in Aurora, Illinois. We taught, he taught Sunday school class to young boys. Um, we helped in Awana and I attended Bible studies. This was so important for me and so necessary because I had never even heard stories that even toddlers know, let alone doctrine. We soon moved to a rural community outside of Aurora and started attending Waterman Bible Church, where our faith and our commitment to the Lord's work grew and along with our family. The Lord has blessed us with five children in nine years and now has blessed us with 15 grandchildren. As a young man in his 20s, Tim was teaching Sunday school, serving on the elder board, leading music and doing teen ministry. I mostly cared for the growing family and was involved in um, ministry, um, women's ministries and Bible studies. In the early years, um, I did struggle with how much to become involved in the church, even though I wanted to be there every time the door opened, sometimes having five children in such a short span, um, you get tired and you just struggle with what your responsibilities are. There were times when I was felt I was wrestling with God in this and that what I needed to do. I will always counsel young moms, pastors, wives or not, to find the balance because I hear that all the time, the struggles that we feel that we are pulled to help or do just certain things, but there's times we just need to step back, take care of our family, and when the opportunities and times come, then we can get back into ministry. You don't want to overload yourself. You want to, your sanity is important too. But if your husband is a pastor or an elder or a deacon, Sunday school teacher or ministry worker, your calling along with your family is to support him as he serves the Lord. I tried to keep our home his haven of rest, especially with small children. And I know sometimes ladies can inhibit their husbands and make it difficult for them to serve and ask them not to serve. And I never um, would do that because I know um, there are many blessings that were truly ours when we allowed them um, or made it easy for them to be free to serve and grow in the Lord. The next chapter in our lives was our move to Central Illinois to Liberty Bible Church and as our children were now between the ages of one and nine, Tim had accepted a, a position with Caterpillar in 1988 and we relocated 
from the Chicago area to Peoria. And now we became involved in our new church, Liberty Bible Church, as I said. And we served as youth leaders for 18 years. In addition to his music ministry, being an elder, serving on the IFCA Youth Committee, teaching Sunday school, leading building programs, and Tim's full job at Caterpillar. And my involvement in ladies' ministries, and uh, you could say it was all a full-time ministry without the sheepskin. It was our desire, though, to serve the Lord and honor Him. So when Tim reached his 50s, and all of our children were either married or out of the home, he went back to Calvary University online, um, set up shop in our basement uh, with his computer and his desk and spent many hours down there. He received his Bible degree and worked a few more years at Caterpillar as he continued to serve at Liberty. So in August of 2013, he retired from Caterpillar on a Friday and began his new career as associate pastor at Liberty Bible Church on Sunday. So we had a one-day retirement. He was ordained the next spring as an IFCA minister. We had served for seven years um, at Liberty, at, and he as a, the pastor with ministries, including biblical counseling that, we, that he had started, an addiction recovery ministry um, that's called Youth Reformers Unanimous that was held on Friday nights, and I'll talk more about that in a little bit. He continued as worship and music pastor, served as the general contractor for the new worship um, sanctuary, taught Sunday school, counseled dozens of people, um, and even found quality time for me. And during this new phase of our life, I was also able to help him in the counseling ministry when we would counsel um, young couples, sometimes in our home, just Bible studies, just an encouragement, many um, in that way, and that was such a blessing for us, and also just some harder um, counseling within the church that people had issues. So I was um, being stretched and being taught and learned too how to help those that are struggling. The importance of supporting your husband is being his biggest fan and his encourager. I cannot impress upon that more. Um, he was on the platform um, doing music for, for many, many years. And I don't think there was a Sunday that he didn't get off the platform, sit down next to me, write on his bulletin, how was the music? <laughs> I hope he said the same answer, it was good. And if it wasn't, I would tell him later, but I couldn't go into detail right then in church. But he, they need that um, encouragement, that affirmation, and who better to look to than to their wives. We were comfortable in our church, in our home, but after 32 years, and now in our 60s, God has called him to a new ministry in Colorado to become the director of an IFCA church planning mission. And I said the Rocky Southwest Bible Church Extension. I never in my wildest dreams thought I would ever move out of our home. We'd been there for 30 years. Lots of stuff, lots of kids stuff that was still there. Or to another state. Or from our church family who we love dearly. Or to become a missionary. God prepared us for such a transition. Looking back in 2013, right after he started um, his associate pastorship at, at Liberty, um, he suffered cardiac arrest in our backyard. Um, that was in October. So about, a year, about six weeks into ministry, he went down. 
and it was a scary moment, of course. Um, he'd stopped breathing and um, I had screamed for help and we got help and they, they got him back going, but um, he was down for quite a while. And when we got to the hospital, they said, you know, we're not sure if he has brain damage or what's gonna happen. Um, a lot of times these guys don't make it. Some, you know, we, they put him into an induced coma for five days and then we started to wean him out of the, the drugs to, to see how he was to respond. And so I um, prayed a lot during that time from the moment he went down um, to um, when he woke up because we didn't know what was in, in store for us. So when he woke up, he one of the first things he said was, go Hawks. So those of you who are Black Hawk, fans hockey team that's one of the things he said and said where am I what happened he had no obviously he lost all recollection of what happened then the next thing he said was it was on a Saturday he said I'm supposed to be at the youth um retreat this weekend and I was like oh he's okay he's okay he remembered after being under for f five days that he was supposed to be somewhere that somewhere that Saturday and I said don't worry, we've got somebody else to take your places. You're not going. So God used that trauma there to soften my heart and to commit to my husband to follow him wherever God would lead him. I I can say that maybe at first I was a little apprehensive as when he came into the ministry. Um, but this was um, something that God used for me. And I remember Tim saying at one time to me, I not sure why this happened to me. And I said, I, I don't think it really happened for you. I think it happened for me that God softened my heart to ministry, more to ministry than ever before. So when he said, let's go to Colorado <laughs> for a new ministry, I was ready. I didn't question him. I didn't say, well, what about, well, I might've said, what about the house? I got a year to what? get ready to move and and so it, but it was it, everything went smoothly everything in God's timing we were ready we learned to trust the scripture from Philippians 2 13 through 14 forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus here I am Lord send my husband send me the Lord has prepared us for this next phase of ministry, this season of life. So as I tell you my story, we're just another couple who love the Lord and want to serve, serve him. And as I stated, we have been in ministry for 45 years, but only eight of those were with a sheepskin, as we say. Then hopefully everybody listening can say, yes, I've been serving the Lord all my life, whether in ministry or not. When I was asked as a young believer what my life verse was, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I better find one. So I searched the scriptures and one of the verses, because I was working with kids in Awana and I was learning and memorizing verses, Romans 12, one and two was in, came to me as, as that was to be my life verse. It was my heart. I was so thankful that the Lord had saved me. I wanted to give back serve him love him with my life and romans 12 1 says therefore i urge you brethren by the mercies of god to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice 
acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove that the will of God is and what is your good and acceptable and perfect. Christ died for me. He saved me. What do I have to offer him? I took this verse to heart, and it has been my encouragement, my guide, and my walk with the Lord. For if I didn't desire God first, my marriage, I know, would have suffered. Because if God's not first, you're selfish. And I'm sure we are in some ways, obviously, but we put God first. I would have been selfish with my husband and my time and my wants and my family and my, my, my. And that's not what God wants of us. In John MacArthur's commentary on Romans 12, 1 and 2, he states, and I'll read this. The key to spiritual victory is giving all that we are and have to him. The key to a productive and satisfying Christian life is not in getting more, but in giving all. The supreme calling is to serve God and with all of our being first and foremost in worship. And the supreme act of worship is to offer ourselves wholly and continually to the Lord as a living sacrifice. We no longer sacrifice with sheep and goats and such. We are a living sacrifice for our Lord and what his sacrifice for us. The living sacrifice we are to offer to the Lord who died for us is the willingness to surrender to him all of our hopes and plans, everything that is precious to us, all that is humanly important to us, all that we find fulfilling. We are to give him our all. It doesn't matter if we're married, single, or in ministry or not. We are to give to him, he who died for us, our all. And so in ministry, as my my first many years were as a layperson serving in the church to a pastor's wife and now a missionary's wife. I have done all three and it's really no different other than there are um, challenges that come sometimes of being a pastor's wife and a missionary's wife. I am to give him my all in the service of the one who saved me and you are too. So I, as I said, there are other challenges that are unique to ministry. I had sent out a questionnaire to a number of pastor's wives to help me address some of the challenges and to encourage us in our walk serving the Lord in ministry. I just want to take a moment and say thank you ladies who took time to respond to my questionnaire. I'm going to take a drink of water. Thank you. I would like to continue reading in Romans 12, 3 through 8. For though the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. As I stated in my introduction, the marriage team may look different in many ministries, but you should be a team. God has equipped husbands and wives with unique gifts to complement each other. 
gifts that are to be used in the body of Christ. A, gifts, a husband or gifts, um, wife's gifts may be one of helps, mercy, teaching, dis, discipling, administrative, encouragement, exhorting, acts of mercy or service. And believe it or not, not all wives are gifted in piano and singing, which I'm not either. So, but we are all to use your gifts in the body of Christ. The husband and wife balance each other in ministry. I believe that God gives us each gifts that help each other. He may be more sensitive to needs in one way or more administrative and encouragement, and he may be stronger in other gifts. And through these gifts, as you work together in your congregation, you will be um, used mightily by God. We should be a help to him, his sounding board, his encouragement. We should support our husband in any way possible. We are his helpmate. She we should help balance the children and the home life so that he can detox after a day of demanding ministry. And we need to learn to be flexible for those unplanned issues and emergencies. We need to give him the freedom to minister in many ways. I think I used that before and I always cringe when I say allowing him or giving him freedom. But we know as, as wives, um, we, I know many wives have made it difficult for their husbands to serve and they stopped serving or they stopped being a deacon or such because of the demands that were put on them. And um, your husbands grow when they are serving and we should always allow, allow them, I said it again, make it easy for them um, to serve. Most importantly, be in prayer for him as he prepares to teach God's word and deals with ministry demands. You are truly a team working side by side, no matter um, no matter what season your life that, that you're in. In the early years, ministry may look different because of the demands of small children. Like I said before, sometimes we just have to, to go AWOL for a little while while we take care of our children and meet the, meet the demands of your own uh, self raising those children and with your husband. Um, the middle years were years when you can include your children in ministry. Start taking opportunities to work them in. They, they um, help so many, I see so many children who are blessings in the ministries that they have been taught by their parents. The golden years, you can walk closely in many different facets of ministry. You have more time for ministries and each other sometimes. We are an important part of ongoing ministry and the responsibilities and nurturing care of the members of your church or ministry. So continuing on in Romans 12, 9 through 13, it says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, preserving in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. There's a lot in those verses, a lot that we use in our ministries. Verse 9 says, um, let love be genuine or without hypocrisy. We need to love our husband. You need to love the people who God has brought to you. You need to love the unlovely. You need to love those who hurt you. We need to show God's love to all. As I said before, we, um, my husband started an RU addiction program called Reformers Unanimous. It met on Friday nights and um, it pulled people from the community, um, from people who just got out of jail, 
um, from the mission in Peoria would send their guys um, to our program. Um, and it was a wonderful program, but it stretched me to show God love, to show how to show God love to those with addictions. There was a young um, lady that we first worked with when we first started the program. She had gotten out of jail and they sent her to us. And so we would work with her. She w had a drug addiction along with many other things in trouble with the law. Obviously she was in jail for other things. And um, it really stretched me because we would go into her apartment with her, you know, pick her up. I'd go there to pick her up for Sunday church. And sometimes she would come out and she was like, oh, I can't go today, I'm this. Sometimes she would come. Um, she struggled with her addictions. One, one time, um, she had to do community service. And so we were having a beast feast and I said, Angela, why don't you come? You can get some community service. Um, we needed help with serving. And so there was a whole, you know, our beast feast is 400 guys in camo and it's quite amazing. But anyway, they have a speaker and such. So Angela and I were serving tables and doing things. And she looked around the room and she said to me, I'll never forget this. She said, I just want to have a normal life and a husband and a family. And here she was struggling with addictions. Cocaine, cocaine and everything else was in her life. I said, Angela, you can have that in Christ. We worked, we worked through her. She struggled some more. They have an in-house program. Um, we, we host the, the local chapters basically. And there is an in-house in Rockford, Illinois, where we can send them to there to help them. Those who are really struggling can't get rid of this addiction. She was willing to go. Um, actually, we, we talked with her grandparents um, to help her to get her to go there. And they, they were of the persuasion that we've helped her, try to help her all these years. She was about in her late twenties, nothing works. And we tried to insist this will work, this will work because it's Christ centered. And so she did go up there, it worked. She got saved. She works for the ministry now. She got married, um, she has a baby. She, I keep in contact with her all the time. And at first I, truthfully, I was afraid of her. Um, but God softened my heart and taught me through all this. So there's so, God stretches you, um, helps you um, to get, to be, um, to love more. And he definitely taught me to love through Angela and I, I love her dearly. And it's such a blessing to see those who have victory over their sin and who follow Christ. And we've seen many, many come to know the Lord through this program. And we see many that have rejected. People know when you truly love, show love, God's love to them, we need to love them unconditionally and point them to Christ. Continue on in verse nine, we abhor what is evil, we hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I also wanna read Matthew 22, 37 through 39. This, this is your classic verse for life. And, we shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. For this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is, is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then again, in 1 Peter 1, it says, Since you have been in obedience to the truth, purify your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. 
fervently love one another from the heart. And so we are commanded to love as Christ loved us and show that love to those around us. In verse 9 of Romans, I love that it says to outdo one another in showing honor. In the material world, outdoing is certainly a negative, a jealousy. We want to have more, do more, and show more that we what we are. But we are to outdo to others, to go beyond, to honor them. In a Christ-centered world, we are to give preference to one another in honor. John MacArthur again says in his commentary, to honor is to show genuine appreciation and admiration for one another in the family of God. We are to be quick to show respect, quick to acknowledge the accomplishments of others, and quick to demonstrate genuine love. Not by being jealous or envious, which have no part of love. We should stumble over each other in, in, in um, honor and showing that respect and to um, just thanking people for ministry, for what their help and such. We've always tried to do that. So as we minister to those around us, it is important to love, to encourage, to spur on others to good works, all in love. In verse 11, it says, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We're not to be lazy in the work of the Lord. We need to be diligent. We know that fervent is a passionate intensity for the work of the Lord, giving it all, and then the command, serve. He tells us he wants us to passionately work for him. He wants us to serve him. Again, in uh, John MacArthur's commentary, he says, the word serve here is used in this text, refers to the service of a bond slave whose very reason for existence is to do his master's will. Yet we do not serve the Lord in our own power any more than he came to power him in our power. Our supreme purpose is to serve the Lord Christ and our power to fulfill the service is from him. I also um, love the verse, and it's not on the slide. I kind of stuck this in here. The second Peter one three, his divine power has granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Everything comes from our Lord, even our service. In verse 12, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. In the work of the Lord, we will have tribulation, and I know you all know that. We all experience tribulations, hard times in ministry. It's not an easy thing. Sometimes it's hard situation with members in the own church, and sometimes it's within our families or just the sin that abounds everywhere. I'm sure we've all had to deal with, as I said, we've all dealt with these tribulations. I asked in the questionnaire um, to our uh, pastor's wives, um, one of the questions I asked was, how do you respond to criticism against you or your family? And I think most of us, our first reaction is to be that one of instinct. Like a mother cub, like a mother bear protecting her cubs, we, we lash back, a sense, a sense of protection. But biblical responses, we might thank them for their comments, whatever was said to us maybe, or the criticism. Then we need to turn to God's word and we need to evaluate ourselves or the one criticized and see if there was any truth in that. If there is, we need to seek the Lord's help to change. If not, we forgive and give it to the Lord and move on. 
we do not let this embitter us. And I know in ministry, this happens all the time. People complain about every little thing. So sometimes um, just that's what you need to do. You need to evaluate and then you need to move on. I know as a young Christian and a mom in our church, first church, I am, there was a young mom there that was very hard to love. And she made life miserable for me. She made life miserable from other ladies in the church. She kind of went from lady to lady and, and made attacks, so to speak. I was taken aback by this, um, but in this, she taught me many things and in a sense prepared me for ministry. Um, God teaches us in the midst of hard people and hard situations. Thank him, thank our Lord for the refining fire that changes us and grows us. I know this seems like a small child a trial, and it, it was, it was a big trial to me back then, but it's small in, in relation to some other things, but it, it teaches us and God refines us and molds us and grows us, and I'm thankful for that. In verse 12, it's continued, be constant in prayer. This is a command. We are to be in constant prayer, and I know you all are. And you pray for your husbands, your family, your ministry, the needs of the church. Um, our nation is those um, sick right now, those who are sick and for the unsaved. When, um, I didn't relate another little story. When Tim went down in his cardiac arrest, um, we were, our ladies' Bible study happened to be on prayer that, that um, fall. And so we were studying prayer, and when he went down, I, I, all those verses came to my mind as, as, as he was not breathing, and I just said, I have peace, Lord, just whatever is your will for him, I will accept. And um, that Christ, and then I would pray, I don't even know what to pray. And I knew that the Lord would intercede for me as I didn't even know what to pray, but that I would accept the outcome. And once the paramedics arrived, I'm going to take another sip of water. Once the paramedics had arrived and they shocked him a couple times and was trying to get him to come to start his heart to start to beat, I basically I just laid flat on the ground and I just prayed. I was just laying there. I was calm. I just prayed and I didn't want to really didn't want to watch it either. And so when they finally got him to come around as far as just getting his heart to beat again, and um, one of the ambulance people said to me, are you okay? I think he thought maybe I fainted. I said, no, I'm just praying. And they go, okay. And it's like, I'm fine. I'm, so um, I used that opportunity. You just You don't know what to pray, how to pray, but the Lord intercedes for you. In verse 13, Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Meeting the needs of the saints, and there's so many needs in the body of Christ. It can be exhausting from physical needs to spiritual needs. My husband and I attended, and he started a biblical counseling training um, ministry in our church, but we attended uh, the Faith Church in Lafayette, Indiana, and he started a biblical counseling ministry. He also taught a course for people interested there was many people interested in our church in biblical counseling and wanted to maybe think that they would like to be a help. Um, there's different um, to help or be an edge to the, to the counselor and that they can walk aside the counselee. 
So he started, he did a, a Bible ministry or Bible Sunday school class on that with the purpose of encouraging um, others in our congregation to become biblical certified counselors. And now many men and women are now trained to help counsel. And this is a huge help um, to the ministry because it can lighten the load for our pastors. And it also provides accountability and discipleship for others. And as you as a counselor are learning, you're diving more into the word than you ever had think that you'd ever did before. So it's a wonderful um, ministry to be involved in. And, and I know the Lord, as I said, sometimes he stretches us. And that also is an area to be stretched. So then we go into hospitality. And what can I say? It's not a gift. It's a command. I looked at it differently when my pastor, Pastor Tom, spoke those words. You can't hide behind, I'm just not good at it. It's not my gift. I'm not going to be hospitable. We are all to be hospitable. Most often it falls under the pastor's wives to be hospitable. But as a survey displayed, we struggle in this area too. Some of us have it all together. and We feel confident in, with others and others not so much. But we should show hospitality and what a blessing it is when we have people in our homes and, and meeting their needs in different ways. So hospitality just doesn't mean having over, those over for dinner. It's having an open door for those in need. Hospitality doesn't mean having the same group of friends over either. But some of us have it all figured out, and that's not me all the time, but sometimes I am prepared. But some of you are prepared for that sudden um, guest that your husband brings home. Cookies in the freezer, um, always a plan on hand. When our youngest daughter was a senior in high school and all her siblings are either married or college or gone away, she asked if she could, we could host a foreign exchange student. They hadn't asked in school if there was any families, so she came home and asked us. And I said, yeah, we could do that. So we got our first long-term house guest. Her name was Nadine, and she was from Switzerland. She was with us for a year. And by the end of the year, um, we acquired another daughter, so to speak. And since that time, we've had at least eight that I can remember. Um, young people living with us at different times after all of our children left home. I really don't know how it all happened, but it was a blessing um, to have all of them. And then there was Carmen from Spain, and she was such a delight. She came to us, and Tim received a phone call at when he was at uh, his office at church, and the, they needed to place her. She was already in the States in another town in another school district. It wasn't working out. And they said, we need to get this girl out of this house now. And then we're like, he called me and he said, can, I said, sure, we got a bedroom. <laughs> and, but like I said, we're, this was only four years ago. So we're in our late fifties, sixties. Um, I said, but we'll find her another home that she will be comfortable in here in Eureka. We'll, you know, somebody in church will take her. So she came that night, stayed with us two weeks later. She got a call, Carmen got a call from her and a counselor basically who she came over with and um, they told her she had a, a family that would take her with teenagers and such and so they had called Carmen first and then they she came downstairs she was up in her room she came downstairs with big alligator tears in her eyes and she said I will go if you want me to but I would like to stay here 
And her response was, Carmen, we're old. <laughs> she says, no, I would like to stay here. You can stay here. So what fun we had with Carmen for a year. And then we had Balaj, who was here just a few years ago, and he was a young man from Hungary. And two, in 2015, um, Tim, went, Tim and I went over to Hungary Word of Life and were, worked at um, the Christian, their camp, the summer camp, to teach English to the students there. And that was a joy. But while we were there, um, Balaj was the head of the music team and they needed, they didn't have their bass player. And Tim said, I can play bass. So he joined the Hungarian um, worship team and struck up a good friendship with Balaj. And Balaj was head one more year of college. And he said, when you're done, let's talk and maybe we can bring you over here and um, get an internship for you and do ministry here in the States. So sure enough, that happened. He came over here and he lived with us for about six, seven months. Um, and he did an internship at Liberty and learned ministry in the United States. So that was a joy. Then we had Erin, she lived with us over a year and a half. She was a college student that went to our, in our town, we have Eureka College and she was a celiac, couldn't live on campus. And so we said, sure, you can stay here. So she was with us for a year and a half of her college years there. Um, and then we had Renee, she was with us for about a friend of my daughter's who came and did an internship with another. So she was with us and then Derek and Krista and Rachel were here for the summer at different times. So we've had kids in and out. And then we had a family of five for a few weeks that had suffered water damage in their home. And I once said to my friend as we were talking about hospitality at one of our meetings and such at church, and I said, I'm really not a very good hostess. I have to really work at it. And her response was, are you kidding me? You, your door is always open. You always got people living with you. And I thought, well, I'd never considered that. <laughs> Young people living in our home as being hospitable, but they had needs and we met their needs. And I gained a lot more kids to love. So hospitality comes in all forms and we minister um, to those around us. And it really doesn't matter if you burn the roast, if your house isn't clean, um, we're commanded to be hospitable. This is a wonderful passage of scripture, I think, this Roman, uh, Romans 12, to read and reread, to help us stay focused on the tasks that we have before us as a pastor and missionary's wife or anybody in between. I also, in my um, survey to my ladies, talked about the blessings, and I just want to kind of read through the blessings that were kind of relate to me, and I, I wholeheartedly um, agree with all of these, obviously. Serving and being used by God is such a blessing, a joy to be called, to be counted worthy for ministry, seeing lives changed by the power of the gospel, watching new believers grow in Christ, seeing them accept Christ, watching God provide for needs in his timing and not ours. We can truly rely on him. Being in the front lines with the precious believers in a deep intimacy, serving with your husband. I want to leave you with this quote that I that was I just read. Um, I think will challenge us as a pastor's wife. Upon reading an article of Ravi Zacharias' recent homegoing, his daughter Sarah Davis said about her mother, "My mother was entirely committed to my dad's calling. 
and this ministry, believing God uh, called them together. <laughs> I cannot recall even one moment when I saw her commitment to this calling weaken because she always placed unwavering trust in the God who called them in his purposes. This is a powerful testimony from a faithful servant. Ladies, let this be our ministry to the God we serve an unwavering trust in our Lord who has called you as a team. When you said, I do, to your husband, you said it to the Lord too. Thank you.